Matthew chapter number six. Can I get just a little bit more volume back there? I was used to Pastor Mike's um, microphone there, and so I was, I was kind of liking hearing myself. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, yeah, a little, little bit more? There we go. Okay, there we go. I like that. That's good. Matthew chapter number, oh, kids, you are dismissed. Sorry, for kids' church, uh, I apologize. Forgot about that. I was so focused on my own voice and hearing myself that I forgot about, forgot about the kids. Well, I, I mean this with all my heart. Thank you for being here today. I know that, man, you probably got it this morning and it was just torrential downpours. And I'm glad that uh, Mike Florendo and, and Cass, they were able to make it over the bridge. And uh, I heard that they did a couple 360s, that's all. <laughs> uh, but no, seriously, thank you for uh, just making the effort. We would have just gone guitar and drums if we had to. But uh, thank, you for, uh, thank you for being here today. And I believe the Lord uh, does desire to uh, to work in our midst, and uh, as you all know, I, uh, I always, I, I, I love Mike, of course, but I always miss him uh, when he's gone, and I, and I love him so much more because then that means that I have the privilege to, you know, to lead the worship team, uh, but this is more, this is more my wheelhouse, and uh, so uh, I'm thankful for the privilege to uh, once again bring the Word of God to you. Well, we're in our series of uh, the Kingdom Prayer from the Sermon on the Mount. And so we have, uh, we've been studying uh, this now for, uh, for many, many months. This is our 29th sermon in his Sermon on the Mount. So uh, we have been uh, kind of just moving through this uh, slowly. Obviously, the kingdom prayer uh, has been just somewhat phrase by phrase. And uh, so uh, I, I'm, I didn't come up with a catchy title at all this morning. Our title is this, Thy Kingdom Come. Uh, but if I could kind of subtitle it, is really what I want us to do is to leave here this morning with a kind of a, a, a functioning knowledge of what that means that hopefully it's kind of just going to whet your appetite a little bit maybe to learn more about this. Because I, I told our men earlier this morning that I could, <clears throat> excuse me, I could preach on the kingdom of God literally for over a month uh, but we're going to just spend uh, one Sunday and then continue on down through this. So let me read this disciple's prayer, the model prayer, quote unquote. Some call it the Lord's Prayer. Can I read that for you once again here this morning? It'll be up on the screen. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Oh, I loved preaching that last week. Thy kingdom come, this is what we'll speak of on today, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. This morning, I wanna start with a, uh, an illustration that uh, John Stott told and he told of a story of a, a man who was walking down a, country lane in, in yesteryear, and he came across a stone quarry in which a number of men were working. He questioned several of the men about what they were doing, and the, and the first replied irritably, can't you see? I'm hewing a stone. And the second answered, without even looking up, I'm earning 100 euro a week. But when the same question was put to the third man, he stopped and he stopped what he was doing. He put his pick down. He stood up and he looked the man in the eye and he said, I am building a cathedral. 
So it truly is, is a matter of how we see it. We could be, if we're not careful, so focused in on maybe just like a little pick that we might have, or maybe we're uh, like the second gentleman that was focused on, you know, his paycheck at the end of the, the week or two weeks or a month, however you get paid. Or we can begin to see ourselves as being a part of the construction of a bigger project. And of course, this project of what John Stott was saying was this, this cathedral of, uh, of, 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 of a structure. And so we are building a kingdom. We're helping, in a sense, the Lord build a kingdom for him. And so as we continue to learn about prayer, and we've been learning that, that, that prayer is a, is a vital part of our Christian life. It's to the Christian like breathing is to the human being. It's drawing in the, the very presence of God that gives us life, that gives us sustenance. But we must learn to pray the way that we should. And if we're honest, I think maybe some of us struggle. <laughs> All of us really struggle sometimes with the, with the problem of, of learning how to pray and praying in general. And it was the Apostle Paul that said in Romans chapter number eight, we do not know how to pray as we should. And then the Holy Spirit will come in and he will utter those prayers for us. But the Lord, he's helping us here in his sermon. We've also seen that this particular prayer is not simply to be recited only. It's not only a prayer that is part of a ritualistic or a, um, a, a, a liturgy, but it's a skeleton for which all of our prayers should kind of find their way hanging from. It's more of a, it's more of a guide. It's more of a, a, a model to make sure that, that we are acknowledging our, our Father and who He is and our relationship with Him, as well as His great name, as we learned last week. In other words, these are concise statements that open up an incredible horizon of what our prayers can and should be like. The content, so to speak, of our prayers. Thy kingdom come. Three simple words in English. There are three simple words in Greek as well. Yet they open up something vastly beyond what we could never conceive and all that's contained in it in those simple statements. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best. My desire is, again, to kind of begin to, to whet your appetite for this topic. We could really spend the rest of our lives examining this, the multifacetedness of the kingdom of God. But I want us to be able to kind of measure it a little bit this morning. Give us some tools. Give us some ways to kind of just earmark, okay, what is this? kingdom of God. Francis Havgrau wrote in her hymn, Thou art coming, O my Savior. Listen to these words. O the joy to see thee reigning, thee my own beloved Lord. Every tongue thy name confessing, worship, honor, glory, blessing brought to thee with one accord, my master and my friend, vindicated and enthroned unto earth's remote and glorified, adored and owned. 
wow, that's what this is about. The exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ is what this prayer is all about. And by the way, is what this church ought to be all about. Exalting the name of the Lord, making much of Jesus Christ. So thy kingdom come is expressed to one who has the right to rule, has the, has the right to reign. And this is, none, this is given to none other person than the king himself, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. And so God the Father, he seeks this. So if you seek this, if you pray this, you are, hear me, going to be in line with the Father's will. Psalm 2 verse 6 says, Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. In other words, God says that he's exalting his son. And his son is the king. Verse number 7, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, You are my son. This day have I begotten you. Ask of me and I shall give you the nations for your inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession. God wants to give the kingdom of the world to the Son. God desires to, to set his Son, his King, on the holy hill of Zion to reign on the throne of David. But when David, when he wanted to build this temple for the Lord, God told him, he says, you can't. You can't build this temple because your hands are too bloody, right? You are a, you are a man of war. You, you, don't get to, you don't get to build this. So God took that, that great joy of David away from him, but in return, he gives him this wonderful promise. In 2 Samuel 7, this is through the prophet Nathan, he shall build an house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So the promise of the kingdom to the king, the son, the eternal son, it's given in the Old Testament. In fact, throughout the Old Testament, there is a promise of a coming king. And this king that would come, he would have governments that would be upon his shoulders, as Isaiah told us. One who would reign, one who would rule, who would have sway in the earth. Someone who would be a savior, who would be a Messiah and king. The very word for Messiah means the anointed one, one with the right to rule and to reign. He has been anointed. The government of the world is gonna be upon his shoulders. He is going to be the king and the ruler of this world. So it's important for us to understand this, that God's program centers on a person, on a person. It's not a plan or a program without a person. History focuses on a person, one who will come again, one who will reign as the king of kings. Such was the hope of Israel. Oh, and it is also the hope of the church. Someone has well said, history is simply his story. I like that. History is the redemptive unfolding of God's plan in the person of Jesus Christ. We're moving to a place. We're moving in, in it just rapidly every single day to where Christ completely dominates. That's the day that, that we are moving towards. All of redemptive history, everything that we're learning is moving towards the day that Christ completely reigns and dominates. 
a true child of God, then concerns himself not so much with his own plans and desires first. There's nothing wrong with having plans. There's nothing wrong with having desires. But a child of God that understands thy kingdom come, that it, it's not themselves first, which we've been talking about in this prayer. This prayer literally all starts with requests on God's behalf. We go to the relational side of our father, and then the very first request is that his name would be hallowed that his entire reputation, everything that you know about God, that it would be reverence, that it would be lived out, starting, of course, in our lives, but then also in the world. And now the second request is that this kingdom would come, then that his will would be done. Then we begin to start asking for stuff for us. Forgive us of our sins, so I give us our bread. And then it ends also with that, you know, in the end that you get all the glory. So it starts with God and it ends with God. And everything is moving towards this kind of, this culmination of the person of Jesus Christ ruling and reigning. His plans, his desires are what come to the forefront. Praying right is not letting God in on your plans. It is calling God to fulfill his. That's biblical prayer, my friends. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I fall so short of that. So often my prayers can just start with me and end with me and be filled with just me. And so it takes quite a transformation in the life of a believer to come to the place where instead of saying, my kingdom come, instead we say, thy kingdom come. That's the transformation that we're asking the Lord to do in our hearts and in our minds. Oh, we might say thy kingdom come in words, but I wonder sometimes if our prayers are not literally filled with our own kingdom, our own plan, our own rule, our own reign, our own causes. And yet all of history, all of redemptive history from the fall of Genesis, when we heard about this seed of the woman was going to be born and was gonna crush the serpent's head, all of history is moving to the glorification of the Son of God the one that is the king of kings, the one that is the Lord of lords. All of redemptive history is moving to this, to this um, consummation, the return of Jesus Christ. His cause, his program, his plan ought to be our preoccupation. But have you ever noticed how that kind of goes against human nature? I mean, I'll just be honest with you. It just really kind of goes against who we are. Literally what I've said for the last 10 minutes is so sometimes foreign to our minds, so foreign to our, our day-to-day, week-to-week type of living. Have you ever know, have you noticed yet, at least in this series, this mini-series on kingdom prayer, that our prayers often are filled with ourselves? Have we noticed that? Have we noticed how we rush to God's presence to unload on him our own needs, our own causes, our own concerns. I guess it's always that way with human nature because we have a bent towards ourselves. And when we begin to acknowledge that, that's like the beginning of growth. When we begin to start to say, okay, well, no, I actually, I actually do struggle with this. This isn't just something for somebody else. Now you've got to remember, what's the Lord doing here? The Lord is presenting a, a pattern for praying. He's showing us that the, that the standard of religion in his 
day among the Jews that it wasn't adequate. Their fasting was not adequate. They weren't doing what they should have been doing with their fasting. Their giving wasn't right. Remember all the things that we looked at before this prayer? Uh, Their theology wasn't right. Their relationship with material things was not right. We'll learn about that at at the end of chapter six. So this this is a whole sermon that Jesus has been teaching on. And so he's saying, the, the, the Jews of that day, always remember the audience. The Jews of that day, they were not, quote unquote, practicing their religion in the way that they were supposed to be. And now he's saying, you're not praying right. So why does he say that? Because we often pray for our own glory. Do you remember what he said in verse five of this chapter? And when you pray, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, For they love to pray standing in the synagogues in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Do you remember that message? When we talked about not doing things to be seen by others and we, because we can even make prayer kind of about us. So Jesus is saying, do not pray that way, seeing your own gain, your own ends, your own selfish pride. He causes, his causes should be at our heart. The Talmud, which is the Jewish commentary on God's word, says this, prayer in which there is no mention of the kingdom of God is no prayer at all. Hmm. Now, does that mean that you have to mention the kingdom of God in your prayers? That's not what that's saying. But if our prayers in no way include God's way, God's reign, Christ ruling and reigning in maybe our lives and our situation. If we're praying about a financial need, God, may you reign in this. That's that's what's being referred to here. So let me take these three words. They're they're, they're really, really, really short words. Doesn't necessarily mean the sermon's gonna be short, but the words are short, okay? So we've we've got three words here. The word thy simply is a pronoun. It's the word so'u. And then the word kingdom, which is, Basileia, don't worry, you don't need to remember those words. And the word that is translated kingdom, uh, which is the word that's translated kingdom, but it means to rule. It means to reign. Often when we think of a kingdom, sometimes we think of maybe like Henry the Great, castles, forts, knights, and so on. Or maybe someone in here, when they think of kingdom, they think of magic kingdom at Disney World. Anybody? It's a cool place but I don't know necessarily what you think of. Maybe it's land, maybe it's, you know, people riding horses, maybe it's ceremony, maybe it's, you know, moats and walls. Let's be honest, we sometimes struggle to think of a kingdom in any other terms because that is the way that the world, that's the perception of what a kingdom is. Even Pilate said to Jesus, are you a king? It's the implication of what kind of king are you? Like, you're not the kind of, you're not the king that, you know, this is this kingdom that you're talking about. This is not what we are used to. Uh, are you really, a, are you really a king? This is, yeah, I'm not sure about that. And what is Jesus' reply? Jesus' reply is, my kingdom is not of this, what? World. They didn't understand it. And I think sometimes we don't fully understand it. So when you read this, thy kingdom come, do me a favor. Maybe if you write in your Bible, write down next to it, thy reign come. 
Because that's what the word means. It means to rule or it means to reign. Thy reign come, because I think we understand that. That means that Christ rules. Oh, he doesn't have to have walls and castles and moats and knights and fair maidens and crowns and all of the stuff that we might think of when we think of fairy tales and kingdoms. It's the rule of sovereignty, of Christ, that we are to pray for. The ruling and reigning of Christ. That's the second request. The first is, is that God and all that he is, remember we talked about what a name is, especially the, the way that Old Testament Jew would have understood, that, that his name would be reverenced. Everything that we know about God, his character and, and who he is, that it would be reverenced. And now we're coming to this reign, that Christ would reign. And then you have the last verb, um, elthet, which is to mean come, for in the Greek, it means let it come immediately. Let it come suddenly. Hmm, so that just causes us to think here. So these three words, these three, thy kingdom reign, can I do that? Thy kingdom, thy reign come. Those three words cause three questions. And so we're gonna, we're, we're gonna think about these questions. I'm, I'm, gonna try to, I'm gonna try to answer these questions the best I can. And the reason why I say try is because it, I cannot do it in its fullness in any way on a Sunday, but I'm, I'm gonna try to give you something to think about. So the first question is, whose is the kingdom? Who does this kingdom belong to? Well, it's thy kingdom. Well, who is the, the thy? Well, if you go back to the antecedent in verse number nine, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So this is God's kingdom which means that it's not a human kingdom, which is totally what the Jews thought. The Jews thought that Jesus was going to come in and that he was just going to eradicate the Romans and set up just judiciary power. No, 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 no. This is, this is a, uh, it's not so much a, 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 a human kingdom quite yet. A human kingdom is not our priority. We're not of this world. We've been translated out of this world. Our citizenship is not here. We are sojourners and pilgrims. Our citizenship is in heaven. We look for a city whose builder and maker is God. All over scripture, it's teaching us this. That, yeah, and there's a song that we sing. Well, I don't know, how, it's probably been 10 years since we've sung it. I'm just a passing through, right? There's a song, like, you know, some, ah, blowing it right there, somewhere beyond the blue, right? And so we're just, we're just sojourners, this isn't our home. We're looking for another. We're, we're living for another. And so whose is the kingdom? And where we'll spend our time here this morning is what is the kingdom? What's the kingdom? That's our second question. What are we talking about when we say the rule of Christ and the reign of Christ? Now, again, I can't obviously cover all this, but here's the book that you ought to get. Nick, can you put this up there? Alva McLean's book on the greatness of the kingdom. This is a fantastic book on this topic. So if you want to, if you want to study further, I highly recommend that you, that you get this book. Now, just in all fairness, you're going to have to read one page and then reread the page again, and then reread it again. All right. So just, just prepare for that. But if you want to, if you want to dive deeper here, this is a phenomenal book. So the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, it is a phrase used more than any other 
by Jesus. That's interesting. So it's a very common phrase. Jesus talked about preaching the good news of the kingdom. When Jesus came, he said, repent for the kingdom is at hand. Luke 4, 43 says, and he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also for this purpose I am sent. In other words, whatever this kingdom is, it's the heart of his message. Why? Because it's the heart of the plan. Because it's the heart of history. It's literally the heart of everything. The reign and the rule of Christ is the apex of human history. Jesus spent all of his years, even though it was just a few times, with his disciples, teaching them of the kingdom. And then when he died, he gave his life for our sins. And then three days later, he rose again. And he spent 40 days here on earth with his disciples and with others. But he was, uh, he was teaching them. And Acts 1 verse 2 says, Until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also showed himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days, notice this, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So Jesus, he has 40 more days with these followers and he has a kingdom message. And his message is his rule and reign. He spoke of the kingdom in three different ways. The past, the present, and the future. Jesus spoke of the kingdom past in Matthew chapter number eight when it says that it embodied Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He spoke of the kingdom being present in Luke 17, 21. Neither shall they say, see here or see here, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Jesus also spoke of the kingdom in future tense when he said in our text to pray that thy kingdom come. So now how do you have a kingdom that's already been and it's current and it's still to come? What is this kingdom? Well, the Jews, they would have heard this and they would have had an idea of what he meant and that was a kingdom that was going to be political. That it was going to come in and again eradicate the Roman occupation that was over them so there was going to most likely be battles as well and, and war but that it was a, a, a political type of kingdom. They thought the kingdom was going to be Jesus coming, conquering in this great power but that wasn't it. Jesus died. Jesus was crucified. He allowed uh, the Jews and the Romans to kind of to, to be a part of his earthly demise. He's 100% God and also 100% man. And so I want us to keep this in mind. John 18, verse 36 says this, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. So with that in mind, whatever the kingdom is, it's not like what we're used to. Or it's not like what we might, again, who is he writing to? What they're thinking that it is. Hence why Pilate said, are you a king? 
what Pilate is saying is, there's a lot of confusion going on here. How can you claim to be a king? How can others claim to be that you are a king? That, that's what Pilate's asking. They even nailed upon his cross where it says, Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. Now listen, they were doing that in a mockingly fashion. In other words, what kind of king is this? He's dying. It was a joke. It was a, making a mockery of Jesus Christ. So class, I don't mean to call you class, but so what kind of kingdom is this? What kind of kingdom? Well, let me try to make a distinction for you that I believe will, will help us to understand this. There's two elements to the kingdom. There's the universal and then there's the earthly. Those are the two. There's a universal and then there's an earthly. One covers the whole universe, obviously, and one is related down here to the earth. In a sense, God is the king of the whole universe, right? I mean, there's no question about that. Uh, he, he made it, he runs it. Uh, he's gonna be the one that's gonna bring it to, to full consummation, right? The, the book of Colossians, Paul tells us that literally the entire, everything that we know is being, is being held together, it's consisting in, in, in his hand. Like literally holds it all together. So he made it, he's sustaining it, and he's gonna bring it to its full completion. James Orr says in his book, The Christian View of God in the World, there is therefore recognized in scripture a natural and universal kingdom or dominion of God, embracing all objects, persons, and events, all doings of individuals and nations, all operations and changes of nature and history, absolutely without exception. Can I word it a different way? God dominates. No question about it. God, it seems like everything's out of control. Listen, God is dominating right now. God is ruling in a universal fashion. Things, this history, his story is constantly moving along. The Bible talks about this. Psalm 145, verse 13, thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and thy dominion endures throughout all generations. Psalm 103, the Lord hath established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. First Chronicles 29, thou reignest over all. Jeremiah 10, thou art an everlasting king. Psalm 29 says the Lord sitteth his kingdom forever. First Chronicles 29 upon the screen, yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. That is this universal kingdom. Our text says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done as it is in heaven. That is a, that is a, a Hebrew parallelism. And I think that what we can do is we can take the second part and we can add it to the first part and it makes sense. Thy kingdom come in earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We could say, hallowed be thy name in earth as it is in heaven. Is God's name hallowed in heaven? Ah, uh, you better believe it. Is God's will done in heaven? Yes. 
Is God's reign and rule established in heaven? Yes. Then what are we asking for here? Where do we want it to be established? Earth. So absolutely acknowledge the universal kingdom. But we're praying for an earthly kingdom. Although his name is hallowed in heaven, it's not always hallowed on earth, not even in my own life. Although his, although his will is done in heaven, it's not always done on earth. Although his kingdom has come in heaven, it's not come in all cases here on earth because there's rebellion. The purpose then, or the prayer, is to bring his kingdom to earth that he might put down sin, that he might put down rebellion, that he might put down evil, that he might bring in God's hallowed name, God's kingdom, God's will. That day is going to fully come, I believe, in the millennial reign when Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning on this earth. But I'm hoping that you've already started to see how this rule and reign has glimpses now. His rule and reign can and should be on display now. But where and in who? Well, if you're thinking the believer, you're absolutely correct. The kingdom is Christ's rule on earth has that rule started in your life, your schedule, your marriage, your family, your money, your hobbies. Does he rule over your hobbies, your work ethic? Is he ruling? Is he reigning on earth in you? And that leads to our final question from our text. How does it come? How does it come? Well, thy kingdom, that in the Greek what it's saying is, let it come and let it come now. That would be the way to understand it. How do we let it come? How do we do it? How do we bring the kingdom? How do we, how do we, how do we get after this? How do we make this a, a passionate prayer of our lives? How can we make sure that it's answered? Well, we've already hinted at it, but let me just kind of say it in another way. This is a, this is a missionary prayer. This is a, a, an evangelistic prayer. This is a conversion prayer. Because I'll tell you one thing, Christ reigns in my heart. Oh, not perfectly. I am not standing up for here and telling you in any way that I am the perfect saint. Follow me as I follow Christ. But I will tell you one thing, that in my salvation, in, the, in, in my relationship with Jesus Christ, he does reign. Not perfectly, and I'm asking him, I'm trying, I'm trying to give him more reign, okay? Does he reign in your heart? Do you know him as your savior? And if you do, then yes, he does. 
And it's our job to give him more and more reign, more and more rule, but it becomes a evangelistic prayer is because the more people that trust Jesus Christ as their savior, the more reigning there is in number, so to speak. In Luke 17, the people were asking, where's the kingdom? Where's the kingdom? And Jesus responded to those questions by saying, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Here was Jesus standing there and they didn't even recognize him. He is his kingdom. You never separate him from his kingdom. Christ in my life, ruling and reigning in my life, brings his reign to this earth and he mediates his kingdom through believers, through you, through me. If you don't know Christ as your savior, you start with trusting what Christ did. They were crucifying him. Why was he dying? To rescue you from your sin. You ask him to be your Lord and Savior and he reigns in your life. God literally mediates his kingdom through the believer. That's why the Bible says that we're kings and priests. We're to seek first the kingdom. Now we'll speak more about that topic later, later in this chapter. But if there is a kingdom, and there is, you ought to seek it. If there is a reign and there is a rule of Christ, then you ought to run for it. You ought to seek it with all of your heart. Luke 16 says the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man presseth into it. There's a lot of ways to interpret that. But I like that one, I like one of the interpretations that takes this, this verb there for, for presseth, which literally means to enter violently. When people whose hearts are right and they, and they see the kingdom, they're in a hurry to rush into it. When they see the value of God's kingdom, God's rule and God's reign, they're rushing to grasp it. Is that your attitude? We have to pray thy kingdom come in a sense that men will be converted, that they'd be rushing to grasp the reign of Christ in their life. Why? Because it's being mediated, mediated out of the lives of those believers. They're seeing you and you're hallowing his name in your life. See how it kind of just builds? You're hallowing his name, who he is, the characteristics of who Christ is and who God the Father is, is literally permeating through your life and others are seeing it. They're like, hey, let me in. Let me in. In Matthew 13, Jesus says, the kingdom is like a treasure. In verse 14, in, in verse 45, excuse me, he says, it's like a pearl of great price. It's priceless in its value because it's worth so much. We should run to grasp it. By faith, we should take hold of it. Lip service, it's not gonna do. Many are gonna say, Lord, Lord, in the last day. And you can say, depart from me. I never knew you. It's not enough to say, oh yeah, I love the Lord. No, people say, Lord, Lord. Money, money won't buy you, won't buy it. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than anyone to buy their way into the kingdom of God. Self-righteousness isn't gonna do it. Because Jesus Christ said, unless your righteousness exceed the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So what's the key? Faith. Receiving the invitation. 
repenting of your sin by an act of the will, affirming the rule and the reign of Christ as our Savior. You know what, you, you know, you know what this prayer is really about? Submission. Submission. Ah, we don't like that word. Submission. You kids, you got to submit to your parents. Amen. All the parents are like, that's right. We don't like, we don't like the word submission. But you know what this is? God, I want to submit to your rule and reign in my life. I want my family to be ruled and reigned by Christ. I want my marriage, Sarah went out with the little kids. I wish I could look at her right now. I want my marriage to be ruled and reigned by Christ. That's this kind of prayer. Let it come now, Lord. Well, in the Greek, immediately. Well, how can that happen? When the ruling and reigning is happening in your heart and in my heart. What are we all about? I just got my tools. Just going for that paycheck. Cathedral. Man, I'm building something bigger. That fight between you and your spouse, man, it's not worth it. Something bigger. It's tax season. Cheating on our taxes. Oh, no, we hate those taxes. I, I get it. Something bigger. Something bigger. That, that lustful thing trying to entice us to get us away. No, no, no. Rule and reign in my heart, God. Christ, you, you've got the reign. Help me not to look at that. Help me not to want that. Help me not. Ruling and reigning. You know what that is? God's kingdom here. That's how it can be past, present. And yes, it's going to come to full fruition when Christ is here reigning. But he's reigning in the midst of us right now. I want to close out with this quote by John Hess Yotter. It's not going to be up on the screen. Listen to what he has to say. While serving as a missionary in Laos, I discovered an illustration of the kingdom of God. Before the colonists imposed national boundaries, the kings of Laos and Vietnam reached an agreement on taxation in the border areas. Those who ate short grain rice and built their houses on stilts and decorated them with Indian-style serpents were considered Laotians. Long-grained rice, stilts. Short-grain rice, excuse me, short-grain rice, and stilts. On the other hand, those who ate long grain rice built their houses on the ground and decorated them with Chinese style dragons were considered Vietnamese. The exact location of a person's home was not what determined his or her nationality. Instead, each person belonged to the kingdom whose culture values he or she exhibited. So it is with us. We live in the world, but as part of God's kingdom, we are to live according to his kingdom's standards and values. God's kingdom down here on earth, and they see a distinction. Oh, we're not gonna squabble over what kind of rice we eat, but is he ruling, is he reigning in your heart? That's a prayer. 
And guess what? It is a prayer that if we will begin to pray it in all the different ways that you can say it, God, our Father, I hallow your name, I reverence your name for all that you stand for, all of your attributes, your characteristics, your holiness, your love, your so on. And I want the rule of your son. I want the rule of Jesus in my heart. I guarantee you that will be answered because that's the will of the Father. Is that your desire? It's mine. This is what kingdom prayer is like. Every head bowed, every eye closed.